Section sixty five of Man and Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Man and Wife by Wilkie Collins. Sixteenth scene Salt Patch. Chapter the fifty fifth, part two. Anne joined them in the front garden blanche flew into her arms and devoured her with kisses sir patrick took her hand in silence for the first time in anne's experience of him the bright resolute self-reliant old man was for the moment at a loss what to say at a loss what to do his eyes resting on her in mute sympathy and interest said plainly in your husband's presence i must not trust myself to speak Geoffrey broke the silence will you go into the drawing-room he asked looking with steady attention at his wife and blanche Geoffrey's voice appeared to rouse sir patrick he raised his head he looked like himself again why go indoors this lovely weather he said suppose we take a turn in the garden blanche pressed anne's hand significantly the proposal was evidently made for a purpose they turned the corner of the cottage and gained the large garden at the back the two ladies walking together arm in arm sir patrick and geoffrey following them little by little blanche quickened her pace i have got my instructions she whispered to anne let's get out of his hearing it was more easily said than done geoffrey kept close behind them consider my lameness mr delamayn said sir patrick not quite so fast it was well intended but geoffrey's cunning had taken the alarm instead of dropping behind with sir patrick he called to his wife consider sir patrick's lameness he repeated not quite so fast sir patrick met that check with characteristic readiness when anne slackened her pace he addressed himself to geoffrey stopping deliberately in the middle of the path let me give you my message from holchester house he said the two ladies were still slowly walking on geoffrey was placed between the alternatives of staying with sir patrick and leaving them by themselves or following them and leaving sir patrick deliberately on his side he followed the ladies sir patrick called him back i told you i wished to speak to you he said sharply driven to bay geoffrey openly revealed his resolution to give blanche no opportunity of speaking in private to anne he called to anne to stop i have no secrets from my wife he said and i expect my wife to have no secrets from me give me the message in her hearing sir patrick's eyes brightened with indignation he controlled himself and looked for an instant significantly at his niece before he spoke to geoffrey as you please he said your brother requests me to tell you that the duties of the new position in which he is placed occupy the whole of his time and will prevent him from returning to fulham as he had proposed for some days to come lady holchester hearing that i was likely to see you has charged me with another message from herself she is not well enough to leave home and she wishes to see you at holchester house tomorrow accompanied as she especially desires by mrs delamayn in giving the two messages he gradually raised his voice to a louder tone than usual while he was speaking 
blanche warned to follow her instructions by the glance her uncle had cast at her lowered her voice and said to anne he won't consent to the separation as long as he has got you here he is trying for higher terms leave him and he must submit put a candle in your window if you can get into the garden tonight if not any other night make for the back gate in the wall sir patrick and arnold will manage the rest she slipped those words into anne's ears swinging her parasol to and fro and looking as if the merest gossip was dropping from her lips with a dexterity which rarely fails a woman when she is called on to assist a deception in which her own interests are concerned cleverly as it had been done however geoffrey's inveterate distrust was stirred into action by it blanche had got to her last sentence before he was able to turn his attention from what sir patrick was saying to what his niece was saying a quicker man would have heard more geoffrey had only distinctly heard the first half of the last sentence what's that he asked about sir patrick and arnold nothing very interesting to you blanche answered readily i will repeat it if you like i was telling anne about my stepmother lady lundy after what happened that day in portland place she has requested sir patrick and arnold to consider themselves for the future as total strangers to her that's all oh said geoffrey eyeing her narrowly ask my uncle returned blanche if you don't believe that i have reported her correctly she gave us all our dismissal in her most magnificent manner and in those very words didn't she sir patrick it was perfectly true blanche's readiness of resource had met the emergency of the moment by describing something in connection with sir patrick and arnold which had really happened silenced on one side in spite of himself geoffrey was at the same moment pressed on the other for an answer to his mother's message i must take your reply to lady holchester said sir patrick what is it to be geoffrey looked hard at him without making any reply sir patrick repeated the message with a special emphasis on that part of it which related to anne the emphasis roused geoffrey's temper you and my mother have made that message up between you to try me he burst out damn all underhand work is what i say i am waiting for your answer persisted sir patrick steadily ignoring the words which had just been addressed to him geoffrey glanced at anne and suddenly recovered himself my love to my mother he said i'll go to her tomorrow and take my wife with me with the greatest pleasure do you hear that with the greatest pleasure he stopped to observe the effect of his reply sir patrick waited impenetrably to hear more if he had more to say i'm sorry i lost my temper just now he resumed i am badly treated i'm distrusted without a cause i ask you to bear witness he added his voice getting louder again while his eyes moved uneasily backward and forward between sir patrick and anne that i treat my wife as becomes a lady her friend calls on her and she's free to receive her friend my mother wants to see her and i promise to take her to my mother's at two o'clock tomorrow where am i to blame you stand there looking at me and saying nothing where am i to blame if a man's own conscience justifies him mr delamayn said sir patrick the opinions of others are of very little importance my errand here is performed 
as he turned to bid anne farewell the uneasiness that he felt at leaving her forced its way into view the colour faded out of his face his hand trembled as it closed tenderly and firmly on hers i shall see you to-morrow at holchester house he said giving his arm while he spoke to blanche he took leave of geoffrey without looking at him again and without seeing his offered hand in another minute they were gone anne waited on the lower floor of the cottage while geoffrey closed and locked the gate she had no wish to appear to avoid him after the answer that he had sent to his mother's message he returned slowly halfway across the front garden looked toward the passage in which she was standing passed before the door and disappeared round the corner of the cottage on his way to the on his way to the back garden the inference was not to be mistaken it was geoffrey who was avoiding her had he lied to sir patrick when the next day came would he find reasons of his own for refusing to take her to holchester house she went upstairs at the same moment hester dethridge opened her bedroom door to come out observing anne she closed it again and remained invisible in her room once more the inference was not to be mistaken hester dethridge also had her reasons for avoiding anne what did it mean what object could there be in common between hester and geoffrey there was no fathoming the meaning of it anne's thoughts reverted to the communication which had been secretly made to her by blanche it was not in womanhood to be insensible to such devotion as sir patrick's conduct implied terrible as her position had become in its ever-growing uncertainty in its never-ending suspense the oppression of it yielded for the moment to the glow of pride and gratitude which warmed her heart as she thought of the sacrifices that had been made of the perils that were still to be encountered solely for her sake to shorten the period of suspense seemed to be a duty which she owed to sir patrick as well as to herself why in her situation wait for what the next day might bring forth if the opportunity offered she determined to put the signal in the window that night toward evening she heard once more the noises which appeared to indicate that repairs of some sort were going on in the house this time the sounds were fainter and they came as she fancied not from the spare room as before but from geoffrey's room next to it the dinner was later than usual that day hester dethridge did not appear with the tray till dusk anne spoke to her and received a mute sign in answer determined to see the woman's face plainly she put a question which required a written answer on the slate and telling hester to wait went to the mantelpiece to light her candle when she turned round the lighted candle in her hand hester was gone night came she rang her bell to have the tray taken away the fall of a strange footstep startled her outside her door she called out who's there the voice of the lad whom geoffrey employed to go on errands for him answered her what do you want here she asked through the door mr delamayn sent me up ma'am he wishes to speak to you directly anne found geoffrey in the dining-room his object in wishing to speak to her was on the surface of it trivial enough he wanted to know how she would prefer going to holchester house on the next day by the railway or in a carriage if you prefer driving he said the boy has come here for orders 
and he can tell them to send a carriage from the livery stables as he goes home the railway will do perfectly well for me anne replied instead of accepting the answer and dropping the subject he asked her to reconsider her decision there was an absent uneasy expression in his eye as he begged her not to consult economy at the expense of her own comfort he appeared to have some reason of his own for preventing her from leaving the room sit down a minute and think before you decide he said having forced her to take a chair he put his head outside the door and directed the lad to go upstairs and see if he had left his pipe in his bedroom i want you to go in comfort as a lady should he repeated with the uneasy look more marked than ever before anne could reply the lad's voice reached them from the bedroom floor raised in shrill alarm and screaming fire geoffrey ran upstairs anne followed him the lad met them at the top of the stairs he pointed to the open door of anne's room she was absolutely certain of having left her lighted candle when she went down to geoffrey at a safe distance from the bed curtains the bed curtains nevertheless were in a blaze of fire there was a supply of water to the cottage on the upper floor the bedroom jugs and cans usually in their places at an earlier hour were standing that night at the cistern an empty pail was left near them directing the lad to bring him water from these resources geoffrey tore down the curtains in a flaming heap partly on the bed and partly on the sofa near it using the can and the pail alternately as the boy brought them he drenched the bed and the sofa it was all over in a little more than a minute the cottage was saved but the bed furniture was destroyed and the room as a matter of course was rendered uninhabitable for that night at least and probably for many more nights to come geoffrey set down the empty pail and turning to anne pointed across the passage you won't be much inconvenienced by this he said you have only to shift your quarters to the spare room with the assistance of the lad he moved anne's boxes and the chest of drawers which had escaped damage into the opposite room this done he cautioned her to be careful with her candles for the future and went downstairs without waiting to hear what she said in reply the lad followed him and was dismissed for the night even in the confusion which attended the extinguishing of the fire the conduct of hester dethridge had been remarkable enough to force itself on the attention of anne she had come out from her bedroom when the alarm was given had looked at the flaming curtains and had drawn back stolidly submissive into a corner to wait the event there she had stood to all appearance utterly indifferent to the possible destruction of her own cottage the fire extinguished she still waited impenetrably in her corner while the chest of drawers and the boxes were being moved then locked the door without even a passing glance at the scorched ceiling and the burned bed furniture put the key into her pocket and went back to her room anne had hitherto not shared the conviction felt by most other persons who were brought into contact with hester dethridge that the woman's mind was deranged after what she had just seen however the general impression became her impression too she had thought of putting certain questions to hester when they were left together as to the origin of the fire reflection decided her on saying nothing for that night at least she crossed the passage and entered the spare room the room which she had declined to occupy on her arrival at the cottage 
and which she was obliged to sleep in now she was instantly struck by a change in the disposition of the furniture of the room the bed had been moved the headset when she had last seen it against the side wall of the cottage was placed now against the partition wall which separated the room from geoffrey's room this new arrangement had evidently been effected with a settled purpose of some sort the hook in the ceiling which supported the curtains the bed unlike the bed in the other room having no canopy attached to it had been moved so as to adapt itself to the change that had been made the chairs and the washstand formerly placed against the partition wall were now as a matter of necessity shifted over to the vacant space against the side wall of the cottage for the rest no other alteration was visible in any part of the room in anne's situation any event not immediately intelligible on the face of it was an event to be distrusted was there a motive for the change in the position of the bed and was it by any chance a motive in which she was concerned the doubt had barely occurred to her before a startling suspicion succeeded it was there some secret purpose to be answered by making her sleep in the spare room did the question which the servant had heard geoffrey put to hester on the previous night refer to this had the fire which had so unaccountably caught the curtains in her own room been by any possibility a fire purposely kindled to force her out she dropped into the nearest chair faint with horror as those three questions forced themselves in rapid succession on her mind after waiting a little she recovered self-possession enough to recognize the first plain necessity of putting her suspicions to the test it was possible that her excited fancy had filled her with a purely visionary alarm for all she knew to the contrary there might be some undeniably sufficient reason for changing the position of the bed she went out and knocked at the door of hester dethridge's room i want to speak to you she said hester came out anne pointed to the spare room and led the way to it hester followed her why have you changed the place of the bed she asked from the wall there to the wall here stolidly submissive to the question as she had been stolidly submissive to the fire hester dethridge wrote her reply on all other occasions she was accustomed to look the persons to whom she offered her slate steadily in the face now for the first time she handed it to anne with her eyes on the floor the one line written contained no direct answer the words were these i have meant to move it for some time past i ask you why you have moved it she wrote these four words on the slate the wall is damp anne looked at the wall there was no sign of damp on the paper she pressed her hand over it feel where she might the wall was dry that is not your reason she said hester stood immovable there is no dampness in the wall hester pointed persistently with her pencil to the four words still without looking up waited a moment for anne to read them again and left the room it was plainly useless to call her back anne's first impulse when she was alone again was to secure the door she not only locked it but bolted it at top and bottom the mortise of the lock and the staples of the bolts when she tried them were firm the lurking treachery wherever else it might be was not in the fastenings of the door she looked all round the room examining the fireplace the window 
and its shutters the interior of the wardrobe the hidden space under the bed nothing was anywhere to be discovered which could justify the most timid person living in feeling suspicion or alarm appearances fair as they were failed to convince her the presentiment of some hidden treachery steadily getting nearer and nearer to her in the dark had rooted itself firmly in her mind she sat down and tried to trace her way back to the clue through the earlier events of the day the effort was fruitless nothing definite nothing tangible rewarded it worse still a new doubt grew out of it a doubt whether the motive which sir patrick had avowed through blanche was the motive for helping her which was really in his mind did he sincerely believe geoffrey's conduct to be animated by no worse object than a mercenary object and was his only purpose in planning to remove her out of her husband's reach to force geoffrey's consent to their separation on the terms which julius had proposed was this really the sole end that he had in view or was he secretly convinced knowing anne's position as he knew it that she was in personal danger at the cottage and had he considerately kept that conviction concealed in the fear that he might otherwise encourage her to feel alarmed about herself she looked round the strange room in the silence of the night and she felt that the latter interpretation was the likeliest interpretation of the two the sounds caused by the closing of the doors and windows reached her from the ground floor what was to be done it was impossible to show the signal which had been agreed on to sir patrick and arnold the window in which they expected to see it was the window of the room in which the fire had broken out the room which hester dethridge had locked up for the night it was equally hopeless to wait until the policeman passed on his beat and to call for help even if she could prevail upon herself to make that open acknowledgment of distrust under her husband's roof and even if help was near what valid reason could she give for raising an alarm there was not the shadow of a reason to justify any one in placing her under the protection of the law as a last resource impelled by her blind distrust of the change in the position of the bed she attempted to move it the utmost exertion of her strength did not suffice to stir the heavy piece of furniture out of its place by so much as a hair's breadth there was no alternative but to trust to the security of the locked and bolted door and to keep watch through the night certain that sir patrick and arnold were on their part also keeping watch in the near neighborhood of the cottage she took out her work and her books and returned to her chair placing it near the table in the middle of the room the last noises which told of life and movement about her died away the breathless stillness of the night closed round her end of section 65